The following program was made possible by the generosity of those who have determined to hold fast to the true Roman Catholic religion, as expounded by the Roman Catholic Church before the disasters of Vatican II and the so-called New Mass. Hello and welcome to another live edition of What Catholics Believe. I'm your host, Thomas Nagley. With me tonight is Father William Jenkins. He's a traditional Catholic priest of the Society of St. Pius V. He also serves as the, the pastor of Immaculate Conception Church right here in Norwood, Ohio. Hello, Father. How are you? Great. Fine time. Thank you. And yourself? Not too bad, Father. Good to see you. Yes, you too. Father, any uh, prayer requests that you'd like to, to have for us tonight? Well, uh, there are always prayer requests, Tom, uh, quite a number of them. Too many to mention by name, of course, but uh, I would ask everyone to continue praying for our little uh, friend Blaze, who's still got a long road ahead of him, and so please keep him in your prayers, and also, uh, um, well, I've mentioned quite a number of names, but I'll, I'll leave it at that. Uh, God knows who they are, if you pray for them, uh, he'll bless them and you at the same time, so mm -hmm. please continue those prayers. Absolutely. Thank you, Father. Uh, well, Father, uh, last week we uh, did a, a brief program on the um, on the midterm election results, um, but we we've seen um, some more of the results come in, and uh, it has, um, in fact, uh, proved to be uh, rather disappointing for uh, for many who um, who had kind of predicted and, and thought that this uh, so-called red wave was was going to come about. Um, we've seen that that has not been the case um, whatsoever, really. Um, so, Father, any kind of uh, update that, that you would have for us on this um, on this election? I know there, there's a lot um, of talk, of course, going around about the possibility of um, of uh, dishonesty, um, to say the least, in the in the elections. Um, so, do you have any kind of update for us on that? Well, I, I think it's more than talk, Tom. I think it's pretty obvious myself. I think it's pretty obvious, and there are many others who think it's obvious that there was some serious cheating going on. Um, of course, now to be called an election denier is uh, is is it's it's a new phrase that they're using to try to shame those who cast any doubt whatsoever on the integrity of the electoral process and the the ballot counting more than anything. Um, but uh, you know, as I said, those who vote don't matter. It's those who count the votes who make all the difference. And uh, in this case, it's certainly true. Votes don't matter. Ballots do. Ballot counting does. And, uh, you know, where you stack the deck in uh, ballot counting, uh, always it seems in favor of the Democrats, they always seem to manage to pull a, a victory. Um, even when uh, votes just have to appear, you know, after the fact, by the thousands or tens of thousands, as they did in the 2020 elections. Um, it seems they've got the game plan down. And, uh, you know, one would think that since all of the, uh, uh, well, to say the least, questionable uh, events of the 2020 elections happened, you'd think there would have been a lot of reform. Uh, there wasn't. Um, appeals against the cheating in the 2020 elections uh, were stopped cold by the courts. Not that the courts uh, judged against the uh, allegations of cheating, but they wouldn't even hear them. They would shut them right down and say that they weren't going to hear them, period. 
And uh, so when you're frozen out of the courts and you have no re redress, uh, one would think that um, there would have been a serious effort on the part of the Republican Party leadership to demand election reform. In some states, uh, there was serious election reform, as in Florida, uh, to make sure that there was a, a free and honest election. And there was in Florida. And we see the results, okay? Um, but we also see the results where uh, there were either no attempts at election reform in certain states, or where there were attempts, the leftist lawyers went to the courts and, 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 and blocked them, those reforms. And um, it seems that uh, wherever the Democrats can get the upper hand in terms of actually managing the, uh, the election, uh, it seems to go their way, oddly enough. It seems also uh, there's a pattern when, uh, when the, uh, the lights go down, when the electricity goes off, when uh, there's a glitch with the machine. For some reason, it always comes out that uh, the gremlins always manage to find uh, thousands and thousands of ballots for Democrats. Um, you know, uh, any, anyone with uh, a, a thinking mind um, seeing that would, would say there's something fishy going on here. <clears throat> but if it's in their favor, um, they not only, uh, you know, find fault with it, they actually almost boast about it. Uh, but we have this control. We can do this. We can get away with this. Uh, someone asks, well, if the Democrats can cheat, why wouldn't they? Makes sense. If they can get away with it. If um, the Republican leadership lets it happen um, without a whimper or barely a whimper, um, why, why would the Democrats not cheat if they knew that they could just take the election, walk away with it, and, and get away with it? Uh, remember, this is the party of abortion. What's, what's stealing an uh, election for United States Senate or Congress or even the presidency? Uh, after you put to death, uh, you know, hundreds of millions of children, <laughs> you know, uh, worldwide through abortion, and here in this country, you know, tens of millions of children, after you've actually orchestrated that, and actually uh, made political hay out of it, that that's your, uh, that's your meat and potatoes as far as uh, the electorate, as far as you're concerned, that's your trump card, so to speak, that you play when you... Uh, have messed up the country so badly that people uh, uh, might be turning against you, that you, you play the, the abortion card for them, that you're the one who secures and uh, protects their abortion rights. Uh, it's pretty sad when you have to resort to that. But if you do resort to that, then what is it to um, cheat? You know, what's, what's an extra thousand, two thousand, ten thousand ballots that you create? Um, for the people who are the guarantors of your abortion rights, after you've already, you know, assented to, uh, consented to the, the deaths of tens of millions of children. It's nothing to them. Uh, it's no problem. Once, once you actually sign on to that, um, there's absolutely nothing that you're incapable of, mm. you know, in terms of conscience. Mm. Uh, so... Um, Anyway, no, uh, you know, General Thomas McInerney, Lieutenant General McInerney of the Air Force, he retired now, but he uh, came out um, on the two mics, I think it was, and he, uh, he said, and I don't know where he got these figures, 
But as I recall, he said that uh, uh, in the Cary Lake versus uh, Hobbs race for governor in Arizona, uh, 330,000 ballots were shifted <clears throat> from uh, Cary Lake to Hobbs, who, uh, you know, one could not question her integrity. Actually, she she's the one in Arizona who's supposed to certify her own election, <laughs> right? Uh, and she was asked to recuse herself, and she wouldn't do it. Uh, anywhere else, that would be considered outrageous, but not there, not then, and not for Democrats. Um, and um, he also said that at least 36,000 ballots had been shifted from Mehmet Oz to uh, John Fetterman. Um, now, I don't know where he got those figures, but the fact that he came out and said them uh, makes me think that we've got them somewhere reliable because I don't think I don't see him making those up. Uh, if he made an allegation like that, I, I'm convinced he could back it up. But I mean, especially in the Arizona race for governor, I mean, it, it's just so clear they just drag it out and drag it out and drag it out until they can <clears throat> somehow, you know, deep six enough enough Republican votes and. Um, and uh, create enough Democrat votes that the outcome was already predetermined. In fact, I, I think they even had a uh, a Fox News, if I'm not mistaken, I, I read somewhere that Fox News even had a <clears throat> some kind of template for showing that Kerry that uh, that Hobbs had won the uh, governorship in Arizona two weeks before the election, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, you know, you talk about the midterm elections, well, they're they're continuing on anyway. They're still counting and counting and counting. I understand that just now uh, the, the Republicans have secured a majority in the House. <clears throat> we'll see. You know, if it's one or two votes, it was supposed to be by far more than that. Um, and we'll see, you know, how solid those Republican vote votes are when the chips come are down to voting on actual legislation uh, or budgets or whatever. But uh, but supposedly they lost the Senate. Supposedly the Senate remains in uh, in Democrat control. They weren't going to give that up in any case. Um, and again, in Nevada, you had the the race between Laxholt and uh, uh, what was his name, uh, uh, Catherine Cortez Mastro, right, Democrat, and somehow she pulled this victory out out of the hat. It's uh, quasi miraculous, you know. But uh, uh, but then it's not miraculous. It's not uh, it's not something for heaven. That's for sure. You also have the continuing uh, uh, struggle between Ralph Warnock, Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker in uh, in Georgia. That'll be interesting to see how that turns out. Right? Uh, see how honest the elections were there last time in twenty twenty. I'm sure that they're no more honest now than they were then. At least I find it very doubtful that they're any better now than they were then. And um, you had, um, of course, the race between Mark Kelly and Blake Masters in Arizona also for the Senate. So you, you have these uh, races going on here. And uh, uh, they're, if, if they were to do not just a... Uh, a recount, but an actual audit of the machines, because they're still using these infernal machines. Um, and they found endless problems with them. Uh, but they 
they would also find, I'm sure, that uh, the machines have been, have been rigged and are subject to being rigged. The question comes up with uh, Tom. I mean, how do you have a free country anymore? How do you even have a country anymore if this is what's happening? You know, uh, The United States of America is actually built upon the fact that citizens are franchised and franchised voters and they choose their leaders, right? You take that away and we're communist China. Of course, you know, the, the, um, the, the Billionaires Club um, has chosen China as the model that they want to impose everywhere. Chinese society is the model society that they want to impose everywhere. Um, and um, they're working to do that here in, in the United States of America. Uh, one of the prime means they have of doing that is to uh, take away the vote and uh, simply to, uh, to engineer the vote so it always goes in the direction they want it to, toward that, you know, establishing a, a Chinese society with social credit and monitoring of everyone and, and so on and so forth. Uh, or as is said by the World Economic Forum, you will own nothing and you will be happy. The Chinese model, again, you know, so what they mean by social, social happiness. Um, where no one can object to whatever they won't choose to do to you, what they choose to give to you, what they chose to keep from you, right? Um, but uh, in any case, the, uh, the point is that if there is not going to be any control, real serious control over the counting of the ballots that are cast, the counting of the votes, and uh, honest elections, so that the American people have a right to choose their leaders anymore, uh, then what's left of America? Um, and uh, I guess, you know, a question that would occur to most people would be, why is this happening? Why, why are they letting it happen? For example, why would the Republican leadership be allowing this to happen without uh, sounding the alarm and uh, protesting uh, vehemently against it, letting the, the people know, especially their own Republican voters know, that they've been disenfranchised, that they're being cheated out of a vote, um, uh, that they're basic. I mean, at the same time, the Democrats are letting tens of thousands, even millions of illegal aliens, right, flood across the borders, and they want to give them the vote. They're taking the vote away from Republican, American citizens. At the same time, they're doing this. And uh, you'd think that there would be a hue and cry about it, but um, if there is a mass cheating going on, right, in counting of the, of the, of the votes and counting of the ballots, I would hold the Republican leadership more responsible than even the Democrats because they have something to gain from it. And, uh, you know, you, you come to expect that of them. This is just the, what, the way they do things. Uh, again, if they can get away with it, why don't they? Why would you blame them for getting away with it? Because they're Democrats, and they murder children. This is their stock and trade. Why would they not steal elections if they could? So, assuming you know that all of this cheating is going on as it appears, uh, the fact that the Republican leadership is just letting this go with nary a whimper. The only people I know who are really uh, protesting this are the people who are losing the races, like Carrie Lake, for example. <clears throat> um, but they know that they have no real recourse, even with their own party. They have no real recourse. So. Uh, when I say the only people who are really protesting this, well, there are voters who are protesting it. Uh, but that, 
And that is being squelched pretty much by the press. I mean, there were protesters out at the uh, you know, Maricopa County in uh, Arizona. There were protesters there, uh, uh, I guess, over this past weekend. But again, you have the, 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 uh, the law enforcement uh, out there to uh, suppress them and uh, keep them under control. <clears throat> um, uh, they, you know, you, you have your sharpshooters out there. You have uh, uh, people there to let them know that they better not try anything, you know. And not that they were really threatening. They weren't threatening anybody there. They were just there to protest, saying we want a fair vote. We want an honest vote. That's all they were saying. And um, there you have um, police presidents, sheriffs, sheriffs, department presence there to uh, be sure that... Um, um, well, that they were um, kept by basically, uh, essentially at gunpoint, <laughs> potential gunpoint, um, that they knew um, that they, they were really, really powerless. Um, so, I mean, essentially, that, that's what it came down to after all that. Um, Carrie Lake was saying that she had, uh, from a very, very... Uh, strong Republican districts, as many as 360,000 votes that remained uncounted. And the vast majority of those votes were going to Republican. Guess what? They evaporated. Where'd they go? We don't know. There are people who went in to vote in Maricopa County who said that they were being actually herded by poll, uh, by uh, ballot counters to cast, to put their ballots in box number three. Box number three was defective ballots. <clears throat> and they were being ordered to put their ballots in box number three. Uh, the defective ballots uh, box, uh, where they no doubt remain. Right? It would take days to uh, go through those. Uh, but uh, already the press, it was, you know, the media now declares who wins these elections, it seems, you know. We've ceded that, that power to the media, to the, um, the leftists, right? uh, talking heads in the media. So, um, you know, if, if our country simply uh, basically gives up <clears throat> the right to fair and honest elections and surrenders, um, then, you know, whether you're surrendering to the Democratic Party, whether you're surrendering to the Chinese communists, uh, we, we could be surrendering to the powers of hell. <laughs> um, you're just, but you are surrendering. You're just surrendering the country without a shot. Surrendering the country without a shot. So, um, but this is what they wanted. And people ask, well, what can we do about it? <clears throat> what do you think, Tom? What can we do about it? <laughs> well, that's the, the big question. Whether we, um, we just, uh, we, we were just reading a little bit before the show about the, the John Birch Society and how they, Apparently, have uh, an initiative, a uh, movement that they're trying to push, where they are. Um, they they say encouraging legislators to to push this reform and get some kind of voting reform. But again, we ask the question: While they're pushing these legislators, um, what what good is that going to accomplish if we have you know democratic or cheating uh, legislators in, in place? Um, doesn't seem that that could possibly have have much uh, have much much good effect, but. Um, that's, that's the big question, Father. What can we possibly... Well, it's a nice thought. I mean, the 
The John Birch Society has been discredited long ago by the leftists. Yeah. <clears throat> the leftists saw a real threat with the John Birch Society. And so years ago, I remember when I was a teenager, um, you know, the word was out in the media, slam the John Birch Society, uh, attack the John Birch Society, degrade the John Birch Society, demonize the John Birch Society. <clears throat> uh, but these were patriots who saw what was happening in the country and they were concerned. I'm not saying that they always had a, you know, the best ideas, but at least they had some ideas. At least they were thinking, at least they were watching, at least they were concerned about what was happening in the country. <clears throat> and uh, so, and there were very many fine, fine people in the, in the John Birch Society. Father, Father uh, Francis Fenton was on the uh, steering committee or the board there of the John Birch Society for years, you know. Um, and um, the, the, um, Proposal that they're making, though, again, uh, is doomed to failure wherever Democrats hold power yeah. in the legislature. Yes, you can demand that the legislature pass reforms, electoral reforms, <clears throat> and um, but then if there's a Democratic majority in the legislature, they're never going to pass electoral reforms because they've got control. And that's what, that's all they want. They, 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 they have the power and they're going to keep it. They're not going to reform. And, and even in the Republican controlled legislatures in states where the Republicans control the legislatures, uh, they, they could be moved to pass electoral reform measures. But then the uh, leftist lawyers immediately take it to the courts and tie it up and, uh, and, and shoot it down, you know. And the courts are more than willing to, to back them up in many cases, right? So it really is an uphill battle. It's more than an uphill battle. I mean, it's um, it, it's 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 a fighting, but would seem to be on the surface an impossible battle. That where leftists gain control, and what I mean by that, Democrats gain control. Uh, they entrench themselves so much um, that they it becomes virtually impossible to um, for anyone to challenge their power in any way, uh, and. If someone does, that they find the ability to to lock it up at the ballot box <clears throat> and um, to steadily increase their power and increase their control, not just hold on to it, but their objective is to completely dominate everywhere. Uh, one area where they cannot dominate is Florida right now, uh, because the governor there and the legislature there have succeeded in uh, gaining real electoral election reform. And when you have real election reform and there is a fair and honest vote, you see what happens. I mean, even Miami-Dade went for, went Republican this time. Even Miami-Dade, that's about as left as left as you can go. And uh, Miami-Dade went Republican this year, simply because they counted all the votes and tabulated them uh, honestly. You know, and it showed what the people really wanted, what the real people really think. And that is why uh, Governor DeSantis is being attacked so, so vehemently, you know, viciously <clears throat> by the leftists uh, because he actually secured for the people in Florida a fair and honest vote. Um, they'll do everything they can to bring him down. Um, but I know he's very popular in Florida. Uh, unfortunately, um, uh, Donald Trump has decided to uh, set his sights on uh, Ron DeSantis. Uh, 
You know, the trouble is with these, with these individuals is um, one always has to wonder if they take the conservative side, are they doing it because of conviction and principle or they see an opportunity to aggrandize themselves? Are they in it for themselves? Or are they in it for the country? You know, um, it's very difficult to tell until the time comes when they have to take action. When, when, when their personal self-interest uh, diverges from the nation's interest, which way do they go at a time like that? And uh, then you, you have some kind of glimmer as to what is really motivating them. Um, it's, but it's, it's a difficult time. And, of course, this is also driven, again, by the, the Democrats who want to divide and conquer the Republican Party. They've done a great job so far with its leadership. I mean, Mitch McConnell and those, that crowd. Um, I was married to a Chinese woman who, uh, whose father, Mitch McConnell, does, you know, has business affairs with. And uh, so, um, you know, we, we, we look at Joe Biden and we see him and his uh, entanglements with the Ukraine, with Ukraine and with communist China. And uh, we say, well, that taints him. That, 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 you know, means he's compromised. But then you have the, uh, you know, Mitch McConnell, head of the, uh, well, if you want to call him that, uh, <laughs> the head of the Republican Party, right? Uh, leader of the Republican Party. I mean, if that's not being compromised, I don't know what is. And um, we saw during the, the uh, midterms, he, diverting uh, party, Republican money, away from certain key races, like, such as Blake Masters race, and diverting it into other areas um, where it was not going to serve the party's interest, you know. So if you have this fifth column going on, and they're in your very leadership, this is the problem you're dealing with. How do you deal with it? Well, obviously, um, uh, short term, I mean, you have to keep looking for every opportunity you can to um, according to the nation's laws and according to the Constitution. You keep trying and trying and trying to find redress that way. But you also have to uh, sound the alarm to the people. You know, if, if Republicans are being denied their right to vote, and which is not only a God-given, uh, God-given right, right, uh, in this country, recognized by this country, that they have a, people have a right to determine their leaders. Um, but, um, given, afforded by the Constitution of the United States of America, uh, you have to notify them that this is being taken from them. Uh, and, uh, I mean, you have to look to the American people, ultimately, to uh, um, uh, you know, demand redress, demand their rights. If they don't, then they might as well just, you know, sign them, sign them away, because mm -hmm. they're being taken away. Um, but, you know, as far as the immediate remedy, um, we have very little recourse because the courts will not, uh, will not help very often, quite the contrary. And uh, maybe either because they don't agree or because they're afraid to. Um, and certainly uh, in terms of the firepower, uh, um, President Biden has already threatened the American people with... Uh, uh, our own military. Uh, he's already made a number of statements uh, talking about how the American people cannot defend themselves against the American military. 
So he's, you know where his mind is going there and what he's thinking there. Um, you know, ultimately, we as Catholics have to look upon this uh, as a moral question, though. <clears throat> because when you're dealing with um, human rights, they are, even as our own Declaration of Independence says, they're God-given. They come from Almighty God. And um, we have to realize that in that, our Constitution, our Declaration of Independence uh, actually follows the natural law to that extent. <clears throat> and that is a matter of morality. The problem we have ultimately is that if our people are so corrupt, they actually are voting for abortion and they are voting for all the other evils going on, the, the perversions going on today. If they're voting for these things, you really have a, a very deep-seated moral problem. <clears throat> but even at that, if our people are not voting for these things, but they're letting these things take over, they're letting their, their voice be stifled, they're allowing this to happen because they have no will to resist, that's, another, that's still a moral problem. There's still a moral corruption that is set into them, too. I mean, take the scenario if the Democrats are are all in favor of abortion, transgenderism, um, and all the rest, and and what they're doing to the children here with their um, you know trans the story you know library story hours for children. Let's say they're all in on this, and that is so diabolically corrupt. Okay, um, but on the other hand, let's say you have a uh, a silent majority, or even a silent minority, uh, Republicans who are opposed to all these things, but they don't have the will to resist them. Uh, you've got moral corruption on both sides of that. And this is a very, this is a terrible combination where, you know, evil triumphs because um, not only the forcefulness of those promoting the evil, but because of the weak will and the just the cowardice of those who are against the evil, who can't summon the gumption to stand against it. I mean, if what was going on today was going on 200-something uh, years ago, uh, we might ask, what would our forefathers have done? What would they have done, those who fought the, the war for independence in the United States? What... What would a George Washington be doing in a, in a condition like this in our country? What would a John Adams be doing? Or any of those? What would they say about the condition of our country now? What would they be doing? Well, I think we, have, we know. You know. We know where those men stood. This kind of thing. Um, they would not recognize this as the country that they fought for to establish. And, um, but anyway... It's a moral problem, and the point is that as Catholics, we realize that it comes ultimately from a rejection of the kingship of Jesus Christ. Ultimately, we have to see it that way. We have to see that all that we're experiencing right now, all that's happening to our country, and really throughout the world, stems from a rejection of the kingship of our Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and I, I don't care whether you're an atheist to... Uh, out there who sees gee, things aren't you know things that are really crazy right now what's going on I don't recognize this country you know 
uh, I don't agree with a lot of the moral evils that are going on. I mean, can an atheist see these things as evil? Yes, an atheist could see these things. <clears throat> an atheist could be anti-abortion, purely for natural reasons. Uh, maybe because he thinks it's bad for the economy or whatever. You know? An atheist could be against transgenderism because he says, well, look, objectively speaking, this is really doing terrible damage to our children, what's going on here. It's confusing them, even making them suicidal. We can't do that. An atheist can recognize that. And uh, so even if you had someone like that out there who, who recognized that there's something terribly going wrong here, ultimately, they would all, all of the people who recognize that will have to come back to the fundamental truth that these things are happening because the, there was a rejection of the, of the law of God and a rejection of the kingship of Jesus Christ. It all comes back to that. And this is the choice we have. If we're not going to be ruled by Jesus Christ, uh, the Son of God, our Savior, if we're not going to be ruled by him as ultimately the lawgiver and ultimately, finally, the judge and ultimately the one who punishes and rewards, I mean, the lawgiver who, who lays down the law and has the right to command us uh, about what is right and what is wrong, and uh, then is the judge who has the power to judge, to determine our compliance or our non-compliance with that law. And then to punish those who uh, defy the law, his law, or to reward those who comply with his law. Um, if, we, if we reject that, that his, his overriding authority and dominion over all the human race this is what exactly, exactly what we're going to wind up with. This is almost inevitable that this is going to happen, where the law of Christ and his kingly power are rejected. You, you basically reject Jesus Christ as king, as Lord, and you have just placed yourself in the power, basically, of hell. And uh, the worst of human nature, the most corrupt human nature. Then it's a matter only of um, how bad things will be and how bad things can get. And ultimately it's going to get from bad to worse because the more corrupt person is going to be the one who has the greater power, will seize the more power by virtue of being, being more corrupt and uh, not being restrained in any way. Ultimately, um, you know, we know where history goes. It goes to a worldwide dominion of an antichrist. We have every reason to believe that that's where we're heading right now. Um, but it, it, it all starts with the rejection of the kingship of our Lord Jesus Christ and his dominion over mankind. That's what our message has to be, really, in this world today, I think. Our message has to be the message each and every one of us has to be that Jesus Christ is and ought to be the king. He is the king of all mankind. He is the Lord of all mankind. He is the lawgiver and the judge and the rewarder or punisher of all mankind. And that's simply a matter of fact. We absolutely believe that, absolutely. <clears throat> and that has to be the message that we get out there. That's the first step. Uh, one says, well, what can we do about this? Well, the first step 
is to proclaim loudly before the whole world, boldly and, and without any hesitation, that Jesus Christ is the Lord and the King of all mankind. And if you reject his kingship, this is what you're going to get. You're going to get hell on earth of our own making. The only, the only way to be saved from that, Jesus Christ became a man, the Son of God became man, and came to earth to save us from hell. If we will not have him, if we will not have him to rule over us, then we will create hell on earth for ourselves. And he cannot save us from hell here, even on earth, if we will not have him to rule over us. So it has to start there, with people, those who still have the faith in our Lord, and who love him, to stand up and proclaim that he is the king. <clears throat> now after that, there is the question of, how do we actually make that happen? Well, we realize that if, if our society has gone the way it has and is in the condition it's in now, it's due to a rejection of our Lord, then as we proclaim his rights as the Lord and King, <coughs> hopefully, we will appeal to all the good and decent souls out there who still have faith or at least open to, to receiving the grace of faith. And they'll realize... I see what's happening. I see how horrible it is. And actually, that's the only explanation that makes any sense. That it's a choice between our Lord Jesus Christ and his rule over us, or this, a resident Biden, or a Xi Jinping, or, or a Zelensky, whoever. Right? This is the alternative. Who's going to have the rule? Who's going to control our lives? <clears throat> and um, hopefully people will listen to that. And as, as they do, and they realize what the problem really is, now you can give them a moral backbone. Now suddenly they're vertebrates. Now they can actually stand on their own, on their own two feet by the grace of God, and they can um, almost be like the dry bones that have, that have been risen in Ezekiel, right? Ezekiel chapter 7. Um, now they can stand up, and now they have a voice and they can be heard. Because now they have the moral gumption and the moral force behind them of faith and hope and hopefully charity and love for our Lord to stand up for what is right. And in a society such as ours, that's what you need. You need a moral populace who actually can stand up for what is right because it is right. You don't have to be a Catholic even to realize that. George Washington said so. Our founding fathers said so years, hundreds of years ago. Uh, well over 200 years ago, they were writing that you can't have a, a society, unless there's a moral goodness, unless there's a moral fiber, that what they were writing, what they were designing in the Constitution could not possibly stand in a, a, with an immoral population. Why? Well, because in order to have liberty, you have to have responsibility. And if you have an immoral population, they, they don't know responsibility. They won't accept responsibility. And uh, the entire society crumbles with that. Uh, they understood this very well. They had enough of the ancient Catholic training that came down to them through the centuries to still be able to understand that. Uh, then you have nothing left but uh, where you have a society of basically criminals, um, then you need a society of prisons to control them because they can't control themselves or won't. And so there has to be a moral fiber in 
the populace of a nation to give it any foundation for liberty whatsoever. And I'm afraid this is why our nation is losing its losing its liberty, why our people are losing their liberty now, because the moral foundation is being uh, corrupted, uh, not only from Washington, uh, not only from their state houses, but from the Vatican itself, from the modernists, from Francis and the rest. Look at the example that he sets. And um, so this is this mass corruption is exactly what the Freemasons were demanding back in the early 1800s. Uh, corruption en masse, they said. We have to corrupt the entire society to produce the world that we want. Uh, and for them, for them, that meant the eradication of Catholicism, absolute <clears throat> obliteration of, of Christianity, and even the memory of Christ. Well, here we are. We're getting there. Uh, they've done their work, their diabolical work, very well. So we have to um, oppose it at the very root of it, and that is in the human soul, in that matter of faith. Once we, once we stand up and proclaim the kingship of Christ, as we should do and must do boldly, as the first Christians did very clearly, then, um, and hopefully we'll rally the people who, who still have that, that faith and um, you know, provide that leadership for them. Um, and, and our voices are echoed by theirs then. Um, then we need to find a way to build a Christian society. Is it possible? Oh, yeah. We look back in history and we see that there were Christian nations. There were truly Catholic nations. Uh, we look at Ecuador under Garcia Moreno. Um, he was assassinated because of this. But um, <clears throat> during his tenure, he really built uh, or spearheaded the building of a real Catholic society, a genuinely Christian society. And there was prosperity and safety for the people, too. He enacted just laws. You know, we, we go back to um, France in, under, under uh, Leo the Ninth, uh, Louis the Ninth, Louis the Ninth, and is even a, a, admired in secular writers. Uh, secular writers admire him. Secular writers praise him and talk about the reforms that he brought in in passing just laws for the people and uh, the benefit that they, they gained from those laws, protecting them from their overlords, and uh, also gaining them a real measure of prosperity, where they could have peace and prosperity in their nation. Um, even, even when uh, Louis IX was occupied with the Crusades twice, um, and the... Um, you know, the nobles were trying to take advantage of his absence and, uh, and oppress the people. Louis IX found ways to protect them to, by enacting laws and, and setting in motion things in government that were there to protect the, the common people of France uh, from the rapaciousness of uh, who, those who would be their overlords. Um, to study Louis IX and uh, to see how he administered then you can see something really beautiful, something that should be happening in every society. I mean, look at Charlemagne, look at some of the reforms that he introduced also. There are precedents in history to see actual boots on the ground uh, um, acts of legislation and judgment and uh, execution 
of the laws um, that are exactly what we need to use as our models to move forward. The kind of things that if we had to start over again and we got a society together of people who are all like-minded, uh, united by the, the understanding of the kingship of Christ, that we can actually form a society around those ideas and those principles. All too often, Tom, I know I'm going on, uh, I'm going to ask you a question here pretty soon, <laughs> but uh, to let you get a word in. But, you know, all too often when we talk about the kingship of Christ, we, even we seem to think that we're talking about sort of pie in the sky. Like, well, well, what is it exactly? What does it really mean, uh, the kingship of Christ? <clears throat> and, uh, I mean, how can we proclaim the kingship of Christ unless we actually can answer the question, well, what is that and how does it happen? How do you make that happen? How is it even possible? For many people in the world today, it would seem like an impossibility in this fallen world to have a society based on truly Christian principles. Um, the commandments, the Beatitudes, and so on. Uh, the spiritual and corporal works of mercy, all of these things, you know, inspiring the laws of the land. Uh, real justice. We see the condition of our country and the, and the world today, and we think, oh, it's just out of the question. It's impossible. Well, this is, this is certainly... Uh, without major, major changes, it's impossible under the circumstances prevailing today. But that's why we have to change the circumstances. And yes, there have been actual Christian societies that have appeared here and there and uh, prevailed for uh, perhaps a generation or so until they lapsed back into the, uh, into the swamp again or have human depravity. But it is possible to build a truly Christian society with, um, with real justice and mercy, too, uh, built right into the laws of the land. Um, this is something that, that should be studied. If, if you were to study the social doctrine of the Catholic Church, you would, you would find there the foundations for a truly just society uh, that could gain you could provide peace and prosperity for its people. And that's where we need to go. We need to go to the examples where those principles have been implied in history successfully. And we need to uh, study the church's social doctrine, traditional social doctrine, not Francis' social doctrine, but the traditional Catholic social doctrine to find the answers. If we could start and build a society from the ground up with those, it would be I mean, sort of like the heavenly Jerusalem here on earth. Another example I would say is um, the, the reductions in Paraguay. Um, as they were originally founded, not as the Masons ruined them, not as the Masons crushed them, uh, the Masonic uh, prime ministers of, of um, France and uh, Spain and Portugal <clears throat> had to crush the, uh, the reductions, the work of the Jesuit missionaries in uh, South America, because the natives there were actually gaining uh, great prosperity, and they were gaining a, a, a large measure of self-government. And um, this was unacceptable for the Masons in Europe. And they had to attack and had to destroy them. But if you study <clears throat> the development of those reductions, 
again, you would find the foundations there of a truly just Catholic society. So yes, it can be done. Uh, it's not easy, but it's definitely worth all the effort. And we need to let everyone know that this do, it doesn't have to be this way. Are, are we trying to start a new society then, Father? Are we? Um... I think eventually we'll have to because it's going to be a, a complete collapse. At <clears throat> uh, the w way things are going right now, I see eventually a, a complete collapse. Uh, well, a collapse in the sense that a collapse of society as we know it now into a universal tyranny. I think they're setting the stage for the coming of the Antichrist. And uh, for those who resist the Antichrist, I think there's going to be some kind of a, a vacuum <clears throat> of genuine government. Wherever there's tyranny, there's going to be a vacuum of general government, because tyranny is not government. It's just control. Okay. Um, so I think you're going to find that around the world, there, the, the, alter the only alternative to the tyranny of the Antichrist is going to be some genuine government, which has to be Christian-based government. Um, and um, the proclamation, again, uh, that the kingship of Christ is going to be the one thing that is going to be able to resist the tyranny of the Antichrist. Should we focus all of our energies on that, then, Father, the, the establishment of a, of a new society? I think we, we need to do that, absolutely. I, I don't think anything is more urgent than that right now. It is to, uh, in the face of all of this, say, look, all of this that you're, you're that they're talking about now, this universal slavery that they want to impose. You know, talk about the W World Economic Forum, uh, talk about, uh, you know, the, the intelligence agencies that have all basically been corrupted, it seems, and using their power to, you know, enslave the people. <clears throat> Again, uh, the Communist Party of China, all of them working together. It doesn't matter what you call them. <clears throat> they have names now, but, but no matter what name they go by, it's the same force behind it, right, to enslave the human race. A real hatred for humanity is behind it, and it originates in hell itself. Um, and the only thing that can oppose this, and this is what's going to, I think, become more and more obvious to good people, with even the use of reason anymore, <laughs> is that it has to be the kingship of Christ. It's the only thing that stands against this. And that's the message we have to not only give, but that's the message we have to work for. In other words, we have to apply ourselves to envisioning that society, studying the principles, and uh, actually working out kind of the architecture of what a true Christian governance would be. Um, that, you know, when, when, when the... Um, when the ashes and the smoke clear from the universal destruction that is being threatened by this modern-day insanity, um, there has to be, you know, a Christian civilization that grows out of it. We know that will happen, and we have to be on board with that. We have to know what that looks like. Uh, but, you know, another reason, I'm sorry for going on and on, but I think it's, it's, it's so important now that we, we assert this, kingship of Christ right now. <clears throat> Another reason why we have to work it out, and not just say Christ is king, but we have to show what that actually means in the practical order, is because so many people will, will hear, well, the kingship of Christ, the kingship of Christ, and they will not know what that means. They've never seen it, they've never experienced it. 
They can't even imagine it. And so they may hear about the kingship of Christ and think, well, in principle, I agree. But in reality, that it's impossible. So why are we even talking about this? I think many people would just kind of say, well, there's nothing to this. There's no hope there. But if we not only say it, but mean it, and show our conviction is genuine by actually working out what that means in the practical order, by looking at these Catholic societies as they were established and as they flourished, and by looking at the traditional social doctrine of the church as to how society should be constructed, we can show them that, you know, it is possible to establish a society like this. And you may say, well, it's, it's, an, it's the ideal, and they say, yes, here on a sinful world with a sinful planet, uh, sinful people, it is the ideal. And you may say it would be almost like attaining heaven on earth. But it's something we have to work for. Out of our love for our Lord and our love for our fellow man, our love for our neighbor, we have to work, work for this. And it is possible. It appeared uh, at times on the face of the earth because people saw it was possible and determined to make it happen. And that's what we have to do now. And we see the urgency of it now as perhaps we've never seen it before because of what's happening in the world right now. We have to get on this right now. Okay. What do you think? I agree. You agree? Okay. <laughs> That's good enough for me. <clears throat> you've given us a lot to think about tonight. So, um... Well, you've heard of the Vexidorage Association. You know what that is, right? So, That's really our message. That's the message that we have to have to give. And it's fledgling, and it's it's uh, trying to. It's still kind of in the egg, forming in the egg here. But the the whole purpose of the Vexerageous Association, Catholic Men for Christ the King, <clears throat> which we've been trying to form here uh, at Immaculate Conception Church, and uh, try to also encourage others to get on board with, is to uh, to address that message. Um, you know, especially in our families, in our church, in our societies, and finally throughout the whole, the whole world. Uh, because people now are desperately looking for an answer. And the only real answer that can be given them is the answer that we have as Catholics. Christ is King. If you reject Him, there, there are those who are more than willing to take over and to govern you, and to control you, and to tyrannize over you. And the only refuge you have, and the only safety, and security, and escape you have from that tyranny of those powers that do not love you, and seek only to, uh, to uh, destroy you, and, and, and enslave you, the only alternative you have is the kingship of Christ. And that's, that's what we have to promote, and we have to show not only that it's true, but we have to show how it's possible to make that happen here on Earth. I guess that's about the fifth or sixth way I've said the same thing. <laughs> okay. But uh, these days it seems you have to repeat it over and over for people to begin to take you seriously. Yeah. Well, I, I do hope they take it seriously. And I, I want uh, our, you know, Big City Righteous Association to flourish. We have to get firmly established ourselves, though. The message is firmly established. That's that's a given. That's where it all starts. Mm -hmm. Well, Father, thanks for being here tonight. I appreciate your time. God bless oh, you. Certainly, Tom. God bless you, too. Yep. Thanks to all our viewers as well for watching this episode of What Catholics Believe. 
Until next time, we ask that you all remember the words of Our Lady at Fatima to consecrate yourselves and your families to the Immaculate Heart of Mary and to pray and do penance. Thank you and God bless you.